and welcome to Bad End Podcast. This is episode number 132. I am Josh Calixto, your host for this episode, joined by my wonderful, savvy, incredible, game-developing, endlessly smart, endlessly well-spoken co-host, Kyle Cookstell. Kyle, how's it going? Hi. Glad to be on the podcast. How's it going? It's going well. I've been playing some video games. Yeah? Yeah. We've been um we've been discoursing some video games. Uh I, I don't know if you were it. there. I don't think I was there. Yeah. You said let's talk about discourse this episode. And yeah, we we had yeah. one of the <laughs> biggest discourses. Oh, was this the drip conversation? Yes, the drip conversation. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. We talked for like eight hours about drip in video games straight like on discord to be clear not like there was not a panel discussion on video games and drip yes but it was the most lively discussion i think i've had in video games and it reminded me of like the glory days when we would just have think pieces that we would just be just discussing for hours on end I feel like a writer's room. It was like a people like workshopping the idea as it was being discussed. Yeah, we an actual manifesto on a video game drip came out of this conversation, which is pretty amazing, if you ask me. You want to recap the conversation for the listeners who aren't um, part of the Discord? Patreon.com slash bad end. <clears throat> yeah, so this actually started. It's the result of let me bring this up. Thor High Heels. A uh, wonderful mm. YouTuber came out with a top 100 list of games, which, you know, they had some rules for what this list would entail. Basically, no more than one of like any series. Uh, but there's some crazy picks on here. Most of them, I, I would say most of them are things you would not find on a top 100 games list. It, but it was it wasn't top hundred games of all time. It wasn't best hundred game. It's quote top one hundred games. So they said it was games that were like important to them or that they couldn't stop thinking about that stuck in their head. So this thing's got Yakuza Like a Dragon. Okay, the Final Fantasy entry on here is Dirge of Cerberus. <laughs> <laughs> Resident <laughs> Evil Dead Aim is on here. Last of Us Part Two. Um, Fatal Frame 3 Gex 3 is on here let me look for some of the weird ones Astral Chain Um, Tomba they said that the 25th Ward the Silver Case is their favorite game though so I have yet to play that however um, I did decide to kind of go back and check out some of these like sorts of games that are cool that have this like stylistic impact. And so I I checked out killer seven because I had downloaded that a couple months ago. It's a game from my childhood that I played when I was younger, had no clue what the hell was going on. Uh, Also like notably killer seven was just for GameCube. It might've been on PS two maybe, but I feel like it it was like for PS two, I believe quite a bit later. Yes. And it was like uh, GameCube at the time was like they were not mature games on GameCube. It's like even more more like um 
sort of sanitized in the current Switch generation. It's like stuff that did well and people bought on GameCube was like Wind Waker, uh, like Billy Hatcher, uh, GB <laughs> Robo, like right. Killer 7. The people who would have liked Killer 7 weren't did not have GameCubes. <laughs> <laughs> so like it came out and all the people that like review GameCube games were like, this is weird, really violent M rated game. And like being a kid in that era too, it was like, you can't ask your mom to buy you a game called killer seven. That's rated M for GameCube. Like I had a hard time getting my parents to buy me smash brothers. Cause that was rated T like no fucking way. I'm going to get killer seven. So it was one of those things that you just went to Blockbuster and kind of picked up and you're like, yeah, maybe. Uh, and then all the other kids who would have liked Killer 7 were probably just playing Halo. I saw it in an issue of Play Magazine and was like, this game looks amazing and it looks like art. And I was like young as hell, had zero, like I had read zero books, <laughs> like, <laughs> read, like, books. The gi- like the giver. Yeah. I'd heard. Yeah. Like Harry Potter and the giver was my like point of reference. <laughs> and I started playing this game and was like, this is fucking weird. I have no clue what's going on in this game. This is, I would d- dive right into the deep end here. There's some like Philip K. Dick weirdness going on. Um, and I, I thought I was prepared, but I just wasn't. And revisiting it now, though, I'm like, holy moly, this game is so ahead of its time. You know, um, yeah. have you have you played this game, Kyle? I played like the first few hours of it, like three or four years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, this is cool. But also I was like playing on PC. So like I was playing, on, I don't know if I was playing on an emulator. I don't know. I was playing it in some way that felt like not like the way to play it. Like the way to play it seems like you want to actually be on a GameCube controller on a console or maybe yeah. like a dolphin or something. Um, but I don't think I was playing it like that. Uh, yeah. I'm playing it on PC cause it's on steam. Um, yeah. and I've, you had to tweak some stuff cause it's, it, again, it is not made for the PC, but, um, it's like, it, it feels part pretty of like the whole the thing is like, up. well, cause like the, sh- it's like a sort of first person E sort of shooter thing. Um, but it's like, kind of pre like dual stick, like dual analog stick aiming stuff. So I remember being like weird and like playing it with a mouse is like, you kind of feel like it, you're not supposed to be doing that. Yes. It's like a strong argument for like game preservation and emulation stuff, because this game really feels like it needs to be played on the platform, which it was released on and not just like in an emulator or something. Right. I want, I, I mean, I want to, I feel like I could talk about this game forever, but I want to get back into the, maybe the we should do the next, uh, the next super culture, um, super culture review should be on killer seven. That would be uh-huh. great. Uh-huh. Actually. Yeah. I think that so. That would be sick. And it could be like a three episode or four episode or, you know? Yeah. The other weird thing, just to, huh. before we talk about drip, I remember, um, also like in my small, like preteen brain when killer seven was out, I also remember that there was another like kind of violent, GameCube game at the same time, which I think was called 13. Mm-hmm. You remember this? I think yes. that one was like a day and date with PS2, but I remember like getting them confused in my head. And they also very stylish because 13 is like, um, like a graphic novel style thing. It's a cell shaded. Yeah. Look. And it was like, looked really cool too, but it's like, it's like you're saying killer seven feels way more like modern, like kill like the, like the line to from killer seven to like, 
Paradise Killer or something is a lot more obvious than 13 was just sort of like aping a style, but Killer 7, you really kind of feel like this thing like started something um, and young Josh Calixto's brain uh, that people kind of went on to remediate, but also like nothing has come close <laughs> since then um, without just feeling like a ripoff. But anyways, drip. yeah. Yeah. So we started talking and, and so I, a lot of people were reacting to Thor high heels list saying, Oh, this has to be like rage bait or, you know, some of these picks, like, I don't understand how one could possibly include this. Oh, Bala and Wonderworld was on here. Wonderland. Um, Bala and Wonderland. Are you sure? I think so. I, I don't know. Isn't Whatever. It? Oh, uh, it is Wonderworld. Yeah. Um, Sorry. There's some funky stuff. Lego Island. Lego Island rips. Um, that's the most fucking Thor High Hills game, though. That's like. Yeah, it is. In retrospect. The other thing about Thor High Hills. I said this on the discord too, but I think that, um, I think he, he's like such a, like an, uh, I never know how to say this word. Aesthetic, like A S T H E T E. He kind of really operates off vibes. So I think that he, the list is like a strong, um, lightning rod vibe, uh, vibe finder more so than like, this game is fun to play. Um, which yes. is why I, that kind of explains some of, like, I think Balan Wonderworld, a lot of vibes <laughs> going on there, even if the game is like a kind of bad Mario Odyssey knockoff. And I get it. Like, and I think that we need more people like that who, who like the games that are practically intolerable to play, but are oozing with vibe. And what I began to call drip in this conversation it's, it's the games that have a sense of style, a sense of cool. And let me pick up here this... Com what, this is in the Gamer Lounge, right? I, I don't remember. I feel like it's lounge. spilled over to the whole Discord. S okay, here we go. S Super Culture Symposium Artifact 1. This, is, this was like <laughs> after like four hours of conversation boiled down. A game with drip is cool, ineffably charismatic, and engages with culture outside of games. It brings new specific tastes and perspectives belonging to subcultures and aesthetic movements with a clarity expressed confidently throughout the object. An object's drip is discounted if imitated, unconfident, insignificantly altered from a ubiquitous non-games culture such as Saturday morning cartoons or sufficiently nerdy in a respect representing the industry's insularity. Examples of drippy drip games include Killer Seven, The World Ends With You, Doom, the original, Devil Daggers, I Divine Cybermancy, and Hotline Miami. Counterexamples, Cyberpunk 2077, Baldur's Gate 3, Supergiant Games, <laughs> Hotline <laughs> Miami <got> 2. Categorically. <laughs> Hotline Miami 2 and High World of Rush. Warcraft. <clears throat> So this was, you don't know how long it took to get to this point, but basically I, and when I look at the Thor high heels list, I see games that mostly fit within that or it's a drippy list to fit within that. It is a very drippy list. It says a lot about the person who plays those games. It's something that is not going to appeal to everyone, but 
I'm glad it appeals to someone because we need more games to have trip. It, they, they should not be mutually exclusive. Playable, I don't think that's true though. I don't, I don't think that's true. Cause I think that, I think, I think drip drippy games feel like they are standouts because there are so many non drippy games. And I think that like, once you have drip consensus, that just kind of gets subsumed into the thing that is no longer dripped. So I think that like you get, I think that there's a good ratio of dripness to games. And I don't think that like, if you, like if you, if you made 30 more games like killer seven, it would kind of like dilute the drippiness of something like killer seven. So I feel like it's a perpetual tension between making something that's cool and then having that sort of style and coolness just be absorbed into the culture such that it's like no longer cool. Yeah, I agree with that. So I'm I'm entering my era of trying to play games with drip because I feel like I simply do not have enough and I haven't sought them out enough. And I'm I'm looking to use this list as sort of like a starting point, not the be all mm. end all. But there's some games on here where I'm like, man, I, this game looks sick. Like, I really want to check this out. You know, even if I only watch a playthrough or play through a little bit of it. I feel like this is something that's missing from, it's a blind spot for me. So I want to check that out a bit more. It's one of my new resolutions for the year is to check out more games with drip. The bouncer (laughs) looking sick. (laughs) I was just thinking of whatever like insane, um, uh, you like plucked some like anime trash recently, like today. You know what I'm talking about? Mm, Yes. Yes. (laughs) Which which one? (laughs) This is, this is actually sort of a separate note of what I, and I want to talk about this game later. It's called uh, okay. Love and Deep Space. It's a, uh, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a dating sim. I believe it's called an Otome game, primarily aimed at women. Um, deep Space, one word. Uh, one word. I believe so. Love is, and yeah. Deep Space. <laughs> This game is Romance fucking cool, actually. Game. Romance simulation game. Yeah. But also like a Dark Souls knockoff. Uh, there's combat. There's, for some reason, there's combat in this game. But wait, wait. Do you do you have anything else you want to say about Drip? Because there's like five conversations happening here at once because we had them all like in overlapping thematically. But do we want to talk more about Drip here? I feel like the the... I think it's what was hard for me was to disambiguate it from like style. Like games just got style, but I think style is like, um, like Hi-Fi Rush has style, or like uh, what was the game with the Kurosawa mode? Um, not Trek to Yomi, Ghost of Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima. The game's yeah. got like style, but I think that style is maybe uh. Style doesn't fully capture. I think you can have style without having taste. And I think there's something about yes. it, a, a fully dripped game where it feels like the work of like a cohesive uh, philosophy about what someone is making. Um, but yeah, also when, is like very aesthetically charged. Uh, right. Or valent, you could even say. One I think it's like, a, I think if anything, it's was, like a really good frame to like think about what Thor High Heels likes. Like you're saying the list kind of really reflects on his own tastes. And I think that is useful, but also like, yes, drippy games are also like hard because they are 
almost like by definition sort of exclusionary. And so you have to sort of, you're coming in for like a kind of like a meta want, which maybe in some way could be subversive because you're coming in not because of like a PR machine or like it's, you know, sold well, or it's someone's, it's everybody's favorite game. You're kind of coming in to like soak in the vibes. Um, Soak in the authentic vibes. I think you could say not the like manufactured uh, pandering vibes, kind of uh, vibes that manifest naturally (laughs) from the dripped game. Yeah. I think there's something about a game with drip in which one can just kind of exist on the game's wavelength without feeling bored. Like, yeah, it's like the kind of person that you're, you can spend a lot of time in silence with and still be comfortable. If I'm playing horizon zero dawn and I'm not doing anything and I'm fucking, (laughs) and I'm riding my robot horse from point A to point B, I'm, I feel like I'm about to lose my shit because I'm bored as fuck. I'm looking at like a mountain in the, like, you know, deep horizon and you're making me skin like a monster robot bear or something like that. I'm like, this is boring, but a game with drip, you can kind of just sit there and be like, wow, this environment is cool. The sound of my feet on the ground is cool. Like, and that's what I'm feeling with, with killer seven. I'm just kind of soaking it all in And there's actually space to do that because there's more interesting things going on here visually, sonically, aesthetically than just like everything needing to be full of gameplay and fun at all times. Um, There's just like more to read in there. It's not literal and therefore it doesn't reduce itself to the shapes on the screen. It's the most pretentious possible way to describe a video game. But that's what we're aiming for when we talk about drip. There is something pretentious about it, I think. I think there is. I think that's okay. But that's okay. Cause games aren't that's pretentious okay. enough in my opinion. No, I think games um, could probably do with more pretend, more like actual pretension too. Oh yeah. Like there's such like, a, just, be like, just oh. try, just try. Like yeah. it's not cringe to try in games. It's not. And people, people confuse style at large with what you're talking about. Pretension where it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. like this, this writing is sad or whatever. It's like, what? this unravel is not pretentious. Like Ori in the blind forest is not pretentious. It's just, it's a sad, boring and bland tear jerker. Yeah. It's like a Pixar animation as a game. Like that's, there's nothing pretentious about that. Um, like anyway, 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 what do you want to talk about next? I, we can't, we can go back to the dating sim. But I don't know if you want to talk about I'm like actually I'm trying to like find this yet. dating sim on Steam and I cannot find it. It's not on Steam. It's a mobile game. It's like a phone oh, game. Oh, OK. I don't want to talk about that right now. <clears throat> Unless you think you there's something interesting to say about it. Unless it's just like Josh discovers mobile Korean VNs. No, it's just I mean, it's I think it's Chinese. I'm not sure, but. It's just like, it's really interesting the way that they tell this story. And from like a forum perspective, there's stuff in here that I haven't seen before. It's not the first of its kind to do this. Do you say but like forum or form? Form. Yeah. Form. Formal things going on. Like the primary me- mode of storytelling is first person dialogue. Oh, so this looks it's like, sick. 
I'm looking at the yes. website's really it actually shows you. Oh god, it's making too much noise. I can't get it out. Yeah, the yeah, website like, is um, like portrait really uh your phone is like vertical. Yes. And it shows you I'm trying to bring up some it shows you like having a first person conversation with some like hot guy. He's <laughs> got love, and then you go a little further over in the spreadsheet, and it's like Final Fantasy 16. <laughs> and you can, and you can like, you can respond to them like in real time, and just like it's you're talking to a 3D model, it's moving and it's fully uh-huh. voice acted uh, during these <clears throat> big sequences, and so you're just like watching hot guys do stuff and talk to you, and then afterwards they text you like you'll be like in in the cafe and the guy that you just met is texting you and you text them back and then you can like leave comments on their social media this is all in game by the way you can like like their social media comment on it and then like your um your affinity with them will increase so like just by interacting with them more they're like starting to love you more and you just go through their story they'll call you like on your phone and like you talk to them i guess well it's like like you through the in in game okay not they won't like give you like a real phone call so they'll ping you like they'll ping you like the text from the dude that's like oh i just saw this person push notification it's a push notification from the app but it's like it's acting as if it's just a text message from the guy in the app Nice. And so you're like, you're building these relationships with this dude in your app. And then you can like go for the next story thing. There's gotcha elements, weird stuff. But the core of what's here is really interesting because they're using a lot of different tricks and media to tell this story and develop your relationships with these characters that I've never really seen in other games before. Not to say they don't exist elsewhere. This is just something that has been, quote, relegated to dating sim otome game stuff that we don't see much but could be an interesting space for you know stuff in the future there's a lot of really neat stuff being mashed up here that is clearly resonating with a lot of people this thing is huge how'd you Um, find out about this tiktok i saw like an ad for it and was just like what the heck it had like like hundreds of thousands of likes (laughs) it does and when i but when i downloaded it it's like it's really, it feels super expensive and high budget and legit. Yeah. Um, but it's, I don't know. I, I want to just see more of what's going on here, even though I have these games don't really get me going. You know, I'm not like, I'm, I don't get giddy. I don't like start kicking my feet with these guys trying to romance me, which is clearly the intent. But I think there's a lot of really interesting storytelling stuff happening here. Hmm. I mean, I want to check it out just because, like the like you're saying, the form is really interesting. I want to play like ten minutes of it. iPhone right now. Ten minutes of it, you'll see. You'll see what's. You'll see exactly what's happening after like 10, 15 minutes, and you'll see some potential there, even though it's like definitely not for you. Um, Like it's it's very clear. This game is not for you. Also, the combat is pretty good. Like I don't know why, it has no right to be as good as it does. Maybe you should open up your heart, Josh, to new types of loves, says Brood. <laughs> it, it broods. It's it is open. Like I downloaded the game and I'm trying this it game out. Looks like it's um, like 60 gigs. 
It's three it's gigs. Oh three gigs. Oh three big ones. I'm downloading it right now. Three large gigabytes. Damn. Large the recommendations gigs after this are unhinged. <laughs> it's like um, hot anime guys. Yeah, and there's like um, a thousand microtransaction things going on in there too. I would say, have you spent have you spent money yet? It's three point four gigs. Then when you open it, it is it downloads three point five more. Oh, it's one of those. This makes me. I'm just thinking about. I'm scrolling down. I see the love Nikki. Uh, I guess shining Nikki. And I'm I'm hyped for the um crazy open world love Nikki game. Devin jokes. Yeah, a book club about Killer Seven would be a great idea. Um, the Super Devin jokes. Discord had a son of jokes. Book- well, we had no because we had a book club for Killer Seven in the Discord, and it, it I don't think like really many oh, people right. participated. <laughs> I didn't, but that's why I was like, oh, I'm, I commented um, like when I started playing Killer Seven, I was like, I'm like seven months late, but I'm started playing Killer Seven. It's a good game. It's a great game. Let's talk about Prince of Persia, <clears throat> please. Please. Have you do. played the new Prince of Persia? No, what is this? What is this on? You know, you know what you did play though since the last podcast. What you fucking gamered Lies of P and you like beat oh, it in yeah. like two days. I beat Lies of P in like <laughs> five days. Josh to be like, fair, oh, seems cool, and then like beat it in like the next day. Yeah, it's the only thing on the roster. TBF. Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely like if Bloodborne was just a video game. Yeah. Which is good and bad. Last it's boss is kind like, of bullshit. It definitely feels uh yeah, it's it's sort of like Bloodborne without the soul, but with like a little bit of soul sort of transplanted in as like a treat. Like there's yes. definitely stuff there where it's more than Pinocchio Bloodborne, but it's not <laughs> a lot more than Pinocchio Bloodborne. Um Yeah. But for those wishing for another Bloodborne, I would say it is a damn good uh, surrogate in the meantime. Like as a game experience, it's pretty much all there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the other P, so I actually stopped playing Lies of P to start playing Prince of Persia. And the new Prince of Persia. What's it on? Which is what system is, is this on? Everything, I think. I'm playing it on PS5. Um, I think it's everywhere. I don't think it's like unique. It's just like a Ubisoft game. It might not oh, be is on, it on Switch. Uplay or something. No, it's Dude, just like Ubisoft just a, games is the worst. It's just like everywhere. Like I think it's just like everywhere. Um, I don't think it's on Steam. Really? I don't think so. What is what is Prince of Persia? Switch, PS4, PS5, Windows, Xbox One, Series. Oh, it might be like exclusive on uh like Epic or Game Pass or something. Hmm. I'll check out Epic. The EGS. What do you play it on PC? I don't know. Epic. It's on Epic. Okay. Um this game is really good. Uh I think if, if Armored Core was our game of the year of 2023, because it's like a video game, Prince of Persia is like pretty, pretty similar. Like it's just a really good Metroidvania. Um, 
And uh, the thing I've been saying is that like, it's what I wanted dread to be. Uh, mm. Metroid dread. It's like, it's weird. Cause it's not doing anything. That's going to like sell anybody. Like if you don't like Metroidvania, it's like, this is not going to change your opinion. But the two things I think that are going for it are one is that the world is sort of, it's weird cause it's like, it's, it's much more open than dread. Um, but at the same time, it's not like you're full on exploring. Like they still kind of like gate what you can do by traversal stuff. However, a lot of that gating feels a lot more natural. Um, and it's not, it doesn't feel as arbitrary as something like dread where it's like, you need the red weapon to open the red door. Uh, remember that you're going to come back here. Like there's a few things like that, but a lot of those things that are like that, that they kind of, that you'll pass by are more just like secrets that you're rewarded for. If you remember that they're there, it's not like kind of funneling you down a specific path. But the other thing is just that like they did a really good job of translating what feels like maybe, you know, sands of time warrior within style 3d like combat but making it be 2D and actually making it feel a lot more like Devil May Cry or something where the game like is very keen to reward you on like combos and chaining your attacks. And a lot of the stuff they give you continually throughout the game are like more ways to sort of be better at the game instead of like just giving you a stronger weapon um, or even like like enemies aren't uh, like typed in a specific way in the sense that like, Oh, the heat enemy is weak against ice. You know, there's like none of that. They're just enemies and the enemies themselves have like specific and unique move sets. And those, uh, and then fighting them is just a matter of like understanding their movements and attacks and like being good at playing versus like having the right tool for the job, uh, which I think is like really cool. Uh, It feels very sort of like soulsy in that way. And then some of the other stuff it does, I think that is really interesting specifically around combat is that like, it's it's funny because it's very similar to lives of P but um, enemies in Persia also have this thing where they'll like flash red and it's like an unblockable, unparryable attack. So you have to know to like get out of the way. Um, But then they also have the sort of inverse of this, which is that they have specific attacks that they telegraph with like a yellow light and if you parry those, you do like a unique attack against that enemy that's like really strong. So, and, but then also you can like parry normal attacks. So what the game does that's like really interesting, I think, is that the combat feels much more like gambling in terms of how you are attacking and kind of when you're choosing to parry or try to parry um, because you're sort of like anticipating these big moments, but also like you can attack people and parry them, but also you want to like, not try to parry and get yourself sort of like on the wrong frame to not be able to like parry the incoming thing. So it just makes like just normal combat just feel super good. Like it just feels like you're just fucking stuff up with your big swords. Um, yeah. And then like just the, the level design and traversal is like very, uh, and it's just like nice and pleasing. It's like very like, it does feel again, sort of soulsy. Uh, which in a way is kind of inspired by Metroidvania stuff in the first place, but you'll kind of go through passages and stuff will kind of like eventually loop back. But at the same time, the game, the game is actually like not super generous with um, 
like teleporting and fast travel spots. And it's also like, you don't have a ton of health and it's kind of hard to like keep your health up. Like you will definitely die. So the game will definitely do things sometimes where um, you have to sort of go to certain places that kind of put you out of your comfort zone from effectively like a bonfire, uh, which kind of makes the the game feel like more tense versus like mm. something like Metroid where you're sort of like, you're never like in a position where you kind of feel exposed, but you can definitely feel exposed in Prince of Persia. So this it's just big. It's just yeah, good. Like, it's just super a, fun. It's super fun to play. Like, it's just, it's super fun. It's like super athletic. You just fucking vibe and like it all, it's super snappy. It's super responsive. Like it feel, I think someone in the discord mentioned, like they weren't super into like 3d Metroidvanias cause they're always feel like laggy. And I think that, I would agree with that statement, except for this game. This game feels like you're playing like a, like a sort of a flat 2D Metroidvania style game because it's like so fast and so responsive. And I think it's super good. It's, it's just like, it's just a video game, man. And I, I think that like from the outset, like we were talking about this in the Discord as well, that like it looks like it should be like a 20 or $30 kind of like, we call, I think I call it an overachieving Xbox Live arcade game. And like, it definitely sort of has that energy at first, but then you start playing it and you're like, there's just a ton of game here. Like I've been playing it for like 10 to 12 hours or something. And it's telling me I'm only like 50% through. And I'm like, oh my God, like there's a lot of game here. <laughs> so, um, All right. you it's got just, me. This is looking meaty. Listen, this game, there is nothing exciting to say about it except for the fact that it's capital F fun. It's just fun. It looks like it feels really good. It feels really good. And it's like, it's, I am sort of starting to like the kind of like chintzy story. Also, the other weird part about this game for anybody who's like played it and like bounced off quickly is that it's very strange because the first like hour of the game is nothing like what the game is like. That's not totally true. But the first hour of the game is this sort of like sort of stilted like narrative thing. Um, but ultimately you go to like a big location. And you just explore around forever. Um, so mm. get past that first bit because that first bit is not representative of what the game is. Um, it's like it's more like setting you up to go to Mount Kof. But yeah, I'm just like I'm playing it like basically every night. Uh, it's really fun. And... It's just, it's just good. Like it just, it's just sort of good. It feels like they just thought about what the player would be doing. And they kind of just asked at every moment, like, Hey, what would be fun here? I feel like this game hasn't been talked about enough for how good it looks. I think it's got like the weird, like January release sickness where like, yeah, people are still playing Baldur's Gate and whatever else. And like (laughs) playing whatever people gave game of the year. So I think it's going to be like, I think you'll probably hear more about it at the end of the year or someone's, or like it'll, I don't know, it'll get released on Steam, you know, and that'll, that'll be the thing that does it. Yeah. I I actually remembered I played a game that's gotten a lot of discussion unfairly. You played a video game. Uh-huh. For the January window. Uh-huh. Can you guess what this game is, Kyle? Was it, was it a new release? Yes. It's the game. The game. Everyone's talking about it. Punching, you punch rocks. Oh, did you play Enshrouded? Nope, it's another one. Oh, it's bigger. Enshrouded, which I love to talk about. Oh, Power World. Yeah. How was that? 
dude. I feel like I'm like we're a fucking video game podcast. We're not talking about Power World right now. What are we? What are you even yeah. doing? <sighs> have you played this game at all? No, I have zero interest in playing Power World. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's weird because there's things happening in this game where it's like, this is the Pokemon game we wanted since we were kids. Right. You know, but for some reason they decided that the way that this would be interesting and the most, the best possible package for us to put this in would be to have the Pokemon be exploited labor. Yeah. And not to, not to politicize it, but I mean, it's, this is clearly not this is clearly what they have it, in mind. Like it's weird. The game is weirdly like exploit them to do your work. Like they, yeah. they are, they have a sanity meter that you need to build like facilities so that they don't lose their mind and start slacking off from doing your work, the work that they should be doing on the farm. Mm-hmm. Um, they start doing the dirty work that you do in a crafting game. Like they'll do logging. You can set up like logging and mining camps that your pals go into. Um, And it's weird because it's like, I guess like a big part of Pokemon this series, right? Is like, how do we coexist with these creatures and not exploit them? And a lot of it is about like, the bad guys are exploiting the Pokemon for their power and the good guys are like using it for good reasons. And I suppose that theme make, it makes sense to bear it out in a game like this, but it's not handled in a way that like goes beyond, at least from what I can tell, maybe I should play through the whole game, um, to see what the thematic, you know, how it plays out thematically, what the moral of the story is, but it doesn't seem like they're reckoning with this in like a very real or responsible way. Not that that matters that much. It's just a really weird frame for the game because I'm like, is this what I want to be doing in my ideal Pokemon game? Not, not really. I don't think so. I, I feel want like, like there's like some version of this that like, this is like the the true reality of like the efficient market hypothesis, which is that people want to play an open world Pokemon game and people want to play a game with guns. And they're like, well, we could just make that game. <laughs> like it, I think yeah, someone in the discord true. said that it feels more of like an indictment of like game freak sort of failing to ever effectively capture the sort of interest that since like, 3d graphics existed everybody has wanted a 3d open world multiplayer pokemon game and like they've failed to deliver that for decades you know right that i think that pal world is like someone's gonna do it you know and they're like what if we had guns (laughs) and like rock punching um yeah what if you could shoot the pokemon dude the other thing that i'll say is that the pal designs are really good like they look like Pokemon. Yeah, I mean a lot of them are basically just rip-offs of Pokemon, but it feels like they could feasibly be Pokemon, which is I, what something. I'm interested in is if um apparently like Nintendo or I guess like Game Freak is like maybe looking at legal action. <laughs> uh so I'm interested to see so. what the future of this game is. 
No, they posted like a statement on their website. They're like, um, they're like investigating to really? see if they have like copyright infringement. Yeah. Huh. Let me see. I didn't know that. Game Freak Pal World statement. We received many inquiries regarding another company's game released in January 2024. We have not granted any permission for the use of Pokemon IP or assets in that game. We intend to investigate and take appropriate measures to address any acts that infringe on IP rights related to Pokemon. We'll continue to cherish and nurture every Pokemon in its world and work to bring the world together through Pokemon in the future. Sign the Pokemon company. Bring the world together through Pokemon. That is certainly not what Power Power World has no such ambitions. <laughs> uh, not saying the Pokemon company is good for that, but I, I just think the lack of any sort of backbone or philosophy kind of shows through in the Power World designs, and um, it feels weirdly soulless, which is kind of not what I want from a Pokemon game. I think I it's also, the it, there's like a, there's a sort of flavor of the month, like rock puncher every, you know, three or four months, there's a new one. And this one is like the one right now, except for enshrouded, which is what yes. I've been playing. Okay. Which is like scoop enshrouded is sort of like Valheim, but more Skyrim like Enshrouded sort of feels like a multiplayer Skyrim with building and no narrative component or like a much more thin narrative component um, with Valheim type stuff. It's like way more gamey than Valheim. Like there's um, like weapons that have like rarities and effects and you can like craft staffs to do spells. Um, and the building stuff is like you're, you're building. It's like a crafting game. It's good. Nothing's going to replace Valheim, but I would say that it feels like a more fully thought out idea of a similar concept. Um, but also, yeah, it's just a fucking video game. <laughs> it's like Man. there's more, there's more going on in power world and it's sort of like, you know, sociocultural situationing and shrouded feels like a game that will do well on steam and has done well on steam. Power World feels like a weird cultural moment. <laughs> I do I also like think I... that Power World sort of like ate Enshrouded's lunch a little bit because Enshrouded had like insane like Steam wishlist hype, and I think a lot of its audience is playing uh, Power World. Is my yeah. theory. I I every time I start a new one of these games it feels like I lose a little bit more desire to play a new one. Cause it's <laughs> yeah, like, cause you're like, I'm oh man, punching the pu wood in the stone again, dude. I'm punching it like, again. I'm going to be doing this for two more hours until I build up the basic. Just let me like start what with whatever happens after the wood and stone punching, please. You know, this is like a weird thing. Like I think that a weird thing about these games too, is that like they're, like a lot of, they're sort of derivative of Minecraft, like ultimately. And I think the thing that all these games like really miss that also is really what makes something like Minecraft work is that all the crafting and like building you do in Minecraft is often like a necessity of progressing in Minecraft. Like you build a house, 
but then you need to get like wood to maybe build like a kind of better house. that's like a little bit nicer. And then you have to like chop down trees to build like tracks to make mine carts. So you need to get stone and stuff to build a mine cart to go down to the mines. And then there's like a, there's an actual sort of like cycle of dependency that makes you engage with the crafting stuff in order to do the other stuff. And what feels like is being lost, like through continual generations of these types of games is that it did just feel like separate parts of the game. Like the rock punching thing is just increasingly less of a thing that matters for like everything else. Or it's just like, it's its own weird microcosm of like production. Like in shrouded is sort of particularly bad about this because you have a, like unlike Valheim and in shrouded, you like have to build within the radius of like a hearthstone effectively. Um, and so you're kind of Your like pylons. cordoned off. Yeah. You're like cordoned off to where you can actually build. Uh, and then that means, but the other part is that like building doesn't actually like give you anything. Um, and so you can just sort of like explore in the world and like level up and get gear and stuff and like not have to worry about building. And at that point you're just playing like a worse adventure game. Um, it's weird. It feels like this like crafting survival genre has like morphed into this weird, like just kind of, it's just a bucket of mechanics. I think yeah. power world like really is, you know, very good at, or is like a good, ex- a good example of that. Cause you go to the steam page and you just look at the feature list and it's like totally incongruous. It's just like survival mounts and exploration, building production, farming factories and automation, dungeons, breeding, poaching, <laughs> multiplayer. And you're like, Breeding. Yeah, those are all features. You can breed your pals, buddy. Oh yeah, that's right. But it's just sort of like why why is any of that there? It's just so you can have it there. It doesn't really it's not like a it's not like a cohesive thing like works together. It's just like here are mechanics that work that are like approximate to each other in the same game. Even well, something like Rust is like you're like, it's in the game like Rust, which is also like ground zero for this generation is like you're building and getting materials to build a base because you have to protect yourself from like other players that might be attacking you. So you need a stronger base in order to like have better defenses. Like there's a, there's an actual kind of loop there. Whereas this is just like, here's this, here's a lot of mechanics that you can engage with because it means like engagement, not because that it, is like combining to make some better holistic experience. Yeah. And it's just like, it's defaulted to just punch the tree and then some wood comes out. You're just collecting items Mm -hmm. and, and you're, there's some crafting, but Valheim was interesting because like you could die in a logging accident. Like that was one of the most common ways to die. It was like a tree would fall on you. Yeah, I think on the Valheim also like you, there was like a little bit more going on with the crafting being a necessity and like also like the sort of real thing where you cut down trees and trees are gone and yeah, the logs will fall, but also you need to plant more trees or you have to go out and like find a place that's got more trees so you can do logging and then you have to figure out a way to pull those logs back. Like that was a really compelling part of Valheim. 
Yeah. Yeah. And like that stuff is just not like in any of these games. Yeah. But the Pokemon have guns. So. I mean, that's the hook on this one. And it's just like, <laughs> I don't know. Because they made Pocket Pair made um, Craftopia, which has mm-hmm. to be just one of the most stupid, blatant ripoff games I've ever seen <laughs> with the most unhinged opening, like possibly imaginable. Like I tweeted out the opening of this game because it's so insane. But um, I can't believe that Pow World has gone on to become a success only because people want to be able to see like a Pokemon come out of Pokeball and make them do. That's like, that's it, right? It's like, well, and on PC. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it makes sense. You play anything else? Yeah, but not really that I feel like talking about. I mean, I like, I got some questions. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's do questions. Let's do a few questions. Uh, let's see. What's going to be the 2024 goatee? Baltro. Actually, I think, doesn't Hades 2 come out this year? Oh, they haven't announced it. Early access is in 2024. I don't know. I feel like it's going to be a weird year for games. I think I think it's going to be something weird. You can't start the year with Power World and not have a weird year following that. <laughs> Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. No. Unicorn Overlord. That one actually maybe, maybe. Dragon's Dogma Two. That also I think would be a good in the running. There's only four he- games listed on this for <clears throat> April. Two for May. Unicorn Overlord. Have they announced the date yet? March 8th. Stalker 2. What the hell? Zenless Zone Zero. That's a that's someone else asked a question about what gets you anything from state of play, just PlayStation's um event they did. I'm sort of excited for that game. I don't really know what to expect, but <clears throat> what it sort of seems like as a person who's not in the Hoyo verse is that it kind of seems like all the coolest parts of like Splatoon's world with like none of the bullshit of like Splatoon, but with a real sort of action RPG on top of that, but also multiplayer, which sounds pretty cool. Some sounds gotcha. Cool. Some gotcha, some rolling the dice to get your favorite boy or girl. A little gambling. Or like robot. Or furry. Furry. Did they show a new trailer for that? At State of Play, I believe. Zinless Zone Zero. That game was also setting itself up for like if things go south, everyone's just gonna say it's like ZZZ. You know. (laughs) Made me go to sleep. Exactly. I think um, this game might have drip. Is it also why I'm excited about it? Maybe. It's a potential. It just, it just seems kind of cool. We'll have to find out. I don't know, man. Oh, you know what's going to be the fucking uh, goatee for 2024? Is what? they're going to like stealth launch um, Yokiv. T-O-K-E-V. <laughs> There's that game. I still have no clue what that game is. It just disappeared also. It's because it's going to get released. 
this year. I I have no confidence that that game is going to be any good whatsoever. You don't think so? No. Dude, I think this game is going to be uh, very good. It's got like Animal Crossing meets Pokemon vibe. Dokev. Uh, Dokev. But these kids, dude, the kids in that. Whatever. They look like little. Du- Whatever. Duplo characters. Little Dukevs. <laughs> little Dukes. No, nah, man. They're going to. I think this game's going to. Death Stranding 2 looks cool. Does that, that doesn't come out this year, does it? They'll probably like release some like stupid side thing that's like three hours long that's not called Death Stranding 2 prequel, but turns out it's called Death Stranding 2 prequel. Any bad vibes? That one Destiny's Blade game, what's it called? Something Blade? Stellar Blade? Stellar Blade. That game looks like such a near ripoff, but I'm down to play it. (laughs) I'm down to play it. I'm just watching the Zen the Zone Zero gameplay trailer again. This game looks cool, man. It does look pretty cool. Will it just be like gotcha bullshit? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, it's Mihoyo. In fact, like, probably. <laughs> but does that prevent it from being cool? No. Triple Z. I'm still uncertain about how, like, what the game is. Dude. I don't know. Um, other questions. Does Josh have any must plays planned for this year of weird gaming or is he just following the vibes wherever they may lead him? Following the vibes, but I want to play Flower, Sun, and Rain. Uh, I want to play the 25th Ward, the Silver Case. Want to get to the Bouncer. Um, <laughs> oh, like Rule of Rose. Kulon. <laughs> uh-huh. Trag looks insane. Tactical Rescue Assault Group. Trag Mission of Mercy. <laughs> I would like to, to play all of these. Clock Tower 3. <laughs> Here's a question. What's the worst game you got for under $19 last year? Probably something on Game Pass. <laughs> Which is like kind of technically free. I think you have to you have to have bought it. Okay. I'm trying to think of anything. I think I had some like Steam regrets from last year. Let me see if I can open Steam. I didn't feel like I bought some Steam stuff where I was like regrets. a nineteen dollar regret. Sub nineteen. Um and was it a dick move to say Lethal Company? Talk about a game that <laughs> fell off. It's a cool game for like a week and a half. For sure. <laughs> it's like it'll get you through like a few like games with the boys' nights, and then you're like, yeah. Governor of Poker 3. <laughs> <laughs> you trying to like work some tables? I played it's just a poker game. I was playing with friends. Poker's a good game. You ever play any poker? I have. I don't know if it's a good game. I think playing with money is a good thing. Poker is a great game, dude. All right. I got nothing else. You want to wrap the pod? Wait, will the game industry survive long enough for getting old games? Yes. I think it might. There's a game I just found on Steam that's just called Battle Teams 2. <laughs> it's just called Battle Teams. We got to get better names for video games. <laughs> I mean, let me ask you one more question before we wrap up here. How do you feel about the industry right now? 
Because um, things are shit. Like, obviously, layoffs are happening left and right. But video games seem to be doing great. But then it feels like the writing is on the wall in some ways. I think, I think this year is going to be weird. I think we're going to see... My predictions for this year are... Like, I think that no one knows what to do after, like, Baldur's Gate 3 and then, like, Pal World and then Lethal Company. It's very hard to form, like, a cohesive thesis about what to do if you're making a really big video game, if, like, those are your signal points. And I think that, like, 2024 is going to be a year of renegotiating of what specifically big video games are. Um... I think like, I think small stuff is going to be very big this year. I think part of that is going to be like an outcome of like the funding stuff kind of like drying up for a lot of traditional like funding routes. So a lot of the smaller people are going to basically fill the gap. Um, yeah. I, to, to add on to that. Like I think like, like, dude, like-, I, like I think Final Fantasy Rebirth is going to like flop from like a, like a, pers- like a financial perspective. I think that it's going to feel too, it's going to feel too like big and polished or something. It's going to feel cringe. So it's going to feel like, I know everyone wants to play something cringe. Yeah. It's like we've gotten used to the good games being these like dark horses that come out of nowhere that like being a game with a budget behind it is kind of cringe, but also cringe. I just, I feel like we've always had gaming has operated around the next big thing for such a long time where it's like VR battle Royale crafting games, open world games. You know, there's any number of things happening at once. MOBAs, auto battlers, um, MOBA shooters like Overwatch. And it doesn't feel like we have a next thing right now. Like it's very unclear what that next thing is. Like I think extraction shooters. Yeah. That's even like old now. Like I think that that's like two or three years. Like the vampire survivor stuff was big. Crafting survival feels like. Like so the only thing I want to say about Enshrouded is that it feels like the best version of that sort of idea. Minus like the, I think the crafting could be better, but like Enshrouded is like when you imagine a crafting survival multiplayer adventure game, like that's what it is. And it's pretty good. Like it's, it's fun. I played it until like 3am on a, like a work night. So, um, but I think that what that means is that you, you got to get new material at that point. Um, I want to see more weird MMOs. That's kind of, that's kind of what I'm waiting for. I think that's going to happen. Just, that's kind of why I think like Dokiv is going to be, <laughs> or like Zinless Zone Zero, the stuff that's like not MMORPG, but is like kind of online or like, honestly, like this new grand blue fantasy relink game. I'm really interested in, um, just like stuff that's kind of like ambiently social, but it's not like try hard MMORPG type stuff. I think that that'll be an interesting space to watch. Um, I feel like big single player games are done. (laughs) That's like, like big, like your uncharted's like that model, just like the Alan wake, like that stuff just feels like it. There's no way 
that stuff survives. Um, GTA six will be the last one. I, that's going to have some multiplayer component for sure. And it's, and that's going to be, yeah, it's legacy will be it's online. I wouldn't be Devin surprised keeps saying unfortold which stone, <laughs> which is a fucking I don't even know what the coming. big games of 2024 are supposed to be. Like they all feel like minor releases. Yeah. There might be a new Switch console. A new Nintendo console, I think, actually will probably happen. I don't know if it'll launch, but they're definitely gonna announce it. Unforetold Witchstone. God, what a horrible name. The Goatee of 2024 is going to be the Paper Mario and Thousand Year Door. Actually, you know what might be a Goatee for people? Is the new Sheer and the Wanderer game. The Mystery Dungeon of Serpent Coil Island. It's like officially Sheer and Six. I think all the people who write about games will be like, this game is the best. Dragon's Dogma 2. Do games take too long to make to have trends anymore? Yes. Oh, you know what it's going to be, bro? You know what? what it's going to be? Fucking Black Myth Wukong. That game looks nuts. That game is going to... That game looks fucking sick. <laughs> um, The new... The new Samurai... The Ronin... Story of the Ronin or whatever that... That one's ca- called looks cool. Uh-huh. I don't know if it's going to be good. Looks interesting. The Elden Ring DLC will be the goatee. Definitely gonna play this Prince of Persia game though. Yeah, looks sick. All right, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap her up. Thank you so much for listening to Bad End Podcast. It's been nice hanging. Um, if you want, you can check us out on Twitter at bad or I guess X at Bad End Podcast. Email us at badandpod at gmail.com. Rate us and review us on iTunes. Check out our Superculture affiliates. Bullet Points has some great stuff going on. A lot of the conversations we've been having recently have been occurring in the Discord, which you can gain access to, patreon.com slash badend. Support us. Talk with your favorite Superculture cohorts and colleagues, peers. Uh, there's some great people in that place, and it's it's one of the most vibrant communities that i'm part of a joy to talk to these people uh and some really awesome stuff to say about video games interesting conversations all the time happening in there check that out and uh yeah we'll see you in a couple weeks later see ya. let me uh Thank you.